0: You are listening to the E2C Network, where the Auburn family speaks. Hello and welcome to Warhorses, the
1: only college equestrian podcast that will take you through the joy and the pain of the 2022 NCEA National Championships. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. All right, so we're going to get the hard part out of the way first. We're going to rip that band-aid off and talk about Auburn. Uh, Auburn was in the uh, first, no, last quarterfinal of the day on day one uh, going up against SMU. So the first two events were fences and horsemanship, and these are Auburn's best events. So the idea was for Auburn to run out to a great big lead, and then it really wouldn't matter if some of the points were lost here and there in the other events. And that plan almost worked. In fences, Auburn won uh, three of the five points. Emma Kurtz, Ava Stearns, and Sophie Steckbeck all won their points. This was a fine result, but ideally, Auburn probably would have liked to have taken four points here, but they didn't. Okay. Um, I, w- I will say that SMU did a really good job of staying close with Auburn here. Uh, SMU's Taylor Madden rode very well and made it hard on Ellie Ferrigno to get that point. Um and if the random draw had maybe sent Ferrigno against one of the other riders, then she probably would have gotten a point. She she didn't, um, but if she had been matched up against somebody else, she might have. Because she had a pretty good ride, it's just that Madden had a better one. So the difference between winning 3-2 to two or 4-1 to one for Auburn was probably a little bit of it was the random draw and some of it was just, you know, SMU rode well enough to stay close. In the other event, uh, Horsemanship, the usual uh, trio of terror that is Olivia Tordoff, Taylor Searles, and Deanna Green, they were in full effect. Uh, They visited that terror down onto their opponents. Each of them took their points. Uh, But again, Auburn was probably hoping to get, you know, at least one of the other riders uh, in this event to get a point as well that didn't happen. Um, uh, The two Auburn riders that didn't get their point, you know, if the draw had gone a little bit differently, at least one of them probably would have gotten a point. So, you know, but again, it's all random. Nobody controls that. You just go against who you're matched up uh, with and you see what happens. So at the half, Auburn was up six to four, but I think they were hoping that maybe they could have been up a little bit more because the two events that were coming up, Auburn isn't as good at. So the first event that got going in the second half was equitation on the flat. And this has been an up and down event for um, Auburn and lots of teams. It's just hard to get good, consistent flat rides this year. I don't know what it is, but it's just been the, the mo, uh, modus operandi for most teams. Um, Some days they ride well, sometimes they don't. So here we had Auburn's uh, Emma Kurtz and Ava Stearns. They won their points, but the other three riders for Auburn did not. Um, and when you look at those scores, the random draw actually probably worked out in Auburn's favor because if it had been rearranged a little bit, they might've even lost another point. It might've gone four to one towards SMU. So going three to two to SMU was actually probably a good result for Auburn based on the way they rode. Hmm. That's just the way it is someday. So, you know, SMU probably kind of went away from that thinking, man, we probably should have had another flat point. Anyway, Auburn basically didn't do great on flat and SMU did. So three to two for for the Mustangs. So they pull a little bit closer to Auburn going into reigning. In fact, it was an eight to seven lead for Auburn coming into the final event. Now reigning is not a great event for Auburn this year. Don't know why. These are the same riders as last year. Um, last year these riders were getting about. Almost four points per uh, meet out of five, which is really good. Best in the country, in fact. But this year, those same riders are getting about two points out of five, which is mediocre to not good. So, don't know why that is. But same girls aren't doing as well or didn't do as well for Auburn this year. Um, So, raining was also slowed way down because there were a bunch of re-rides and under-reviews. Um, there was also a weird equipment issue in the... Um, uh, other quarterfinal that was going on at the same time, so everybody had to stop and talk about, well, what do we do when the stirrup comes off? And, oh, let's go check the rule book. So, all that was taking a really long time, uh, but basically uh, Auburn was going to need at least two, which was the average of what they typically will get in this event, but they didn't even get that. They got swept five to nothing in this one, and that pretty much took away any chance Auburn had of winning. So every point, you know, Auburn's hoping maybe we'll get this one, maybe we'll get this one, but each one just kept going to SMU, and then there'd be this long wait because, you know, everything was getting slowed down. So it just took like two and a half hours for raining to finish. It was just ridiculously long and it was just a painful slow agonizing death for auburn and they finally you know got beaten and uh their time at the tournament was over so Basically, you know, I talk about this in the uh, in the SI article that I wrote. I talk about how raining has been Auburn's Achilles heel throughout the whole season, and it's really frustrating because, again, Auburn with these same riders was really good in raining last year. So, not sure why that is. Uh, I even went back and looked at well, because last year was a COVID year, we really only rode against SEC teams for pretty much most of the season. This year, of course, it was more normal. We would ride against a lot of non conference teams. So, did that hurt us? Were the non- Conference teams just better in raining. So I went back and looked at this year and only compared the eight SEC rides that we did uh versus the eight SEC meets that we did last year. And it was still essentially about four points last year and about two points this year. So don't know why that's happening or why that has happened. I'm sure you know Greg Williams and Manili would love to know that as well because you know it was going on for the whole season and they knew it was happening, but they weren't able to fix it. So. Uh, that's it's a mystery as to why that happened um i will say that you know i talked to somebody afterwards of just saying why do you think this happened and their their thing was their their theory was that because there is a shortage of quality reigning courses not to say that we got on bad horses during that meet but just in general throughout the season with a shortage of reigning courses it meant that the training that auburn was doing throughout the year wasn't as good as what it could be and so that was why they didn't perform very well and at the time I was like okay well maybe that makes sense but then later I was thinking about it I was like well but that doesn't explain why we did so well last year but didn't do so well this year I mean unless we retired a whole bunch of horses from last year to this year then that doesn't really explain it because if there was a shortage now and if there was a shortage then last year well then that same issue of not getting the best quality practice would have been the same last year yet somehow we overcame that but anyway I don't know anyway, it's just a mystery. I don't know what, what happened. And if you know what happened, then, you know, uh, DM me or, or send me a note or something. And, you know, I'll talk to you about it and see, you know, what your theory is. And, you know, maybe I'll, uh, investigate that further. We'll see. But as, as far as it goes, what's happened has happened. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but you know, sometimes sports do that, and that's the result we have. So, um, looking around, oh, I will say that, you know, when they talk about this whole shortage, I've actually heard that in, in general before, not just specific about raining, although I think raining does have more of a shortage of good horses than the other events. But, you know, it may be the SEC person in me, that. but when I hear something like that, my first question is, okay, well, if there is a shortage of quality reining horses, then why doesn't Auburn just get into the business of making new quality reining horses? Now, obviously, I don't know exactly what goes all into horse breeding and training and all of that, um, but I do know that it must be financially viable for somebody to do it because somebody does do it. So if it's possible for somebody to do it, then it must be possible for Auburn or any SEC school to do it. So Auburn needs to get into the horse breeding and training business so that in the future, you know, that we know that Auburn always has good supply of horses to ride on. So, you know, let's make that happen. And I'm sure that some of you listeners who are not necessarily SEC people might be laughing at what I'm saying, you know, because I'm sure it's very expensive, I'm sure it's very difficult, and I'm sure it takes a long time to do. But this, again, is the SEC we're talking about, and money, effort, and time are all lesser concerns to winning. So if there is truly a lack of quality horses out there that's holding Auburn or any SEC school back, then the obvious answer is to get into the quality horse-making business pronto. So, you know, back to the whole raining thing. Yeah, no clue what happened. Um, uh, it just is what it is. So, um, But Auburn's just one of the teams, of the 12 teams that were in the tournament. And I know that there are folks from other schools that listen to the podcast. So, um, and, and I know this because some of y'all stopped me at the tournament and said, hey, I listened to the podcast. So, uh, And you weren't wearing Auburn gear. So I assume, you know, you're for some other team. So after this commercial break, we will go back and go over the whole rest of the tournament and see how that
0: went. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreoncom e 2 Network. There you'll find a membership monthly rewards system where you can sign up for as little as one dollar and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C Network Booster exclusive communications and bonus content that is available nowhere else if you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one please head on over to patreon.com slash e2c network to join the e2c network booster club you can also get there by going to our website e2c support Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here, because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. Okay, now,
1: let's move on to the rest of the tournament. I promised you some joy in the show's opening, so here's where the joyous part is. Uh, First, let's talk about the World Equestrian Center. Now, for the last dozen or so years, the Equestrian National Championship has been hosted in Waco, Texas. And I'm not sure if there was any real reason other than it was centrally located and that's where Baylor was and they offered to be the host. So for years and years, Baylor hosted it and all the nearby schools would bring in lots of horses for it. Um, The schools that weren't as close would, you know, still bring in horses, just not as many as those Texas teams. And it was just kind of the default place to hold the national championship for years and years. Well, recently, a new facility started being built down in Ocala, Florida. And now, Ocala, Florida, if you don't know, is known as a very big horse town. Um, there's uh, a, a lot of it was, uh, with that being built, um, uh, the NCA decided to put out some bids and say, okay, we might move the national championship. So they looked at different places, and um, and, and I think they even, you know, put in a, an RFP or whatever to the Extra Crow Center in uh, Waco and said, hey, you know, we could stay there. And they had actually done some improvements over the last couple of years over there. Um, they did some work on the outside of the building and added another f- part of the facility. It's just that the inside was still a little dated. So, I mean, not to trash them or anything. It's just that, you know, newer places have been built since the Extraco Center in Waco had been built. And I think that's where the interest was, uh, you know, on the part of the NCA to say, what are our options now? It's a different world. And so I think maybe, you know, some place in Kentucky might have, they might have looked at a place in maybe in Ohio or out in California or something like that. So they looked around at different places. And there's this one in Ocala called the World Equestrian Center. So this place is basically a resort for horses. And it also has nice features for the humans that these horses would bring along with them. I mean, this place is so fancy that I was telling people it is basically the kind of place that James Bond would go to in order to kill a supervillain. Now, hopefully that wouldn't happen on the same weekend you were there, but you know what I mean. So the NCA was looking around and uh, they were going down to this place in Ocala. um, But when they were looking around, it wasn't exactly going to be what the NCEA needed. In fact, they almost didn't move down there because originally there wasn't going to be a Western riding facility as part of the World Equestrian Center. Um, And now apparently Western riding uses a different kind of dirt or floor surface that they ride on. Um, It's a reddish clay dirt. It's very fine. Gets all over the seats and everything. Um, And the dirt that the jumping seat equestrian uses is like uh, got a lot of sand in it. It might actually be synthetic for all I know, but it's blonde. It's really it's a different color and everything. And so. Anyway, the World Question Center, all of their rings were going to have the fancy blonde dirt and not real red dirt. And so the NCA was saying, hey, we got to have some of this real dirt. And they were like, well, we ain't got none of the real dirt. And they're like, well, maybe we can't have it here then. And then the owner of the place was like, wait wait, wait a minute. We got this area over here that we're going to do some future development in. But what we can do is, we can fast track and say, hey, let's build some western rings over here in this section. We'll put in the dirt that y'all need. And that way, y'all can come here. And so the NCA was like, "All right." if you can build it, we'll do it. And so they did and that's why oh and what that does is it also means that not just the NCA can use the world equestrian center but now you know american quarter horse events can come and other western events can come and, and and ride there because now they have the red dirt so anyway uh that's why if you were there this weekend you probably noticed one that those the two rings that everybody was competing in the western ring and the jumping seat ring they were really far away from each other they were a half mile away and none of the golf cart pads were straight between them they all kind of meandered around a pond or you know another little um jumping arena jumping seat arena there was no direct walking path there was no direct cart path no direct street to get over there it was you had to kind of work your way around over there and find the place and the reason for that is because it was not originally part of the phase one development if it had been they'd have probably put one right there in that central courtyard area so it would have been even more convenient but As it was, you know, it was a a little bit of a a challenge to, to do that walk because it was a half mile. But the way things worked out, you probably didn't end up making that walk more than four times in a single day. So again, you know, you got your two miles worth of steps in, but you know, we all need a little bit of exercise, so there you go. Of course, if you don't want the exercise and you're rich, you just rent a golf cart for like $90 a day, and you drive anywhere you want, and that's a cool way to do it. Now, I'm not made of money, so I didn't do that, but I'm pretty smart, so I brought a bike, and uh, I rode a bicycle around, and it was really cool, and it made it very easy. I could get from one ring to the other in under four minutes. I timed it. Did a little time lapse video and put that on Instagram or maybe it was on Twitter. Anyway, y'all probably saw it. So that's the way to go. But you could always walk if you wanted to. You know, there were people doing that. So uh, basically, if you go next year, bring a bicycle um, or bring a ton of money. But regardless of whether you walked around, you rode a bicycle or you traveled in style on a golf cart, it was still a top-notch facility. Um I talked about let's say there's ponds, there's these beautiful horses and people just going everywhere. Um oh yeah, there was there was one day where it was raining in the morning, so I had to do some of my videos in the hotel. And yes, they have a fancy hotel right in the middle there, it's called the Equestrian. And um, so they've got all these hallways and ballrooms and whatnot. So I'm snuck over into one little corner and was doing one of my videos, and while I'm setting up, you know, these two uh blonde Swedish girls walk through and you know they're talking not in in English, and what I think is Swedish. And I'm pretty sure it was Swedish because later on in the day, out in the main outdoor arena that's there in the courtyard, there was some international competition going on and some Swedish person won it and they were showing the Swedish flag on the Jumbotron and playing the Swedish National Anthem. So I think one of those two girls must have won something. Anyway, very fancy place. Uh, so back to the action of day one for the NCEA. Yeah, there was lots of other stuff going on besides the NCEA. That's how big this place was, so the NCA on day one, you had all of the um quarterfinals going on in just the dual discipline uh team so you first quarterfinal was Oklahoma State and Fresno State. Now I figured that this one was gonna be uh sort of heavily towards the cowgirls, and I was right um right out of the gate, Oklahoma State won fences four to one now in the very next event um horsemanship fresno state came back and won it four to one so you figure okay maybe this is going to be close nope it was not going to be close uh in the next event the flat oklahoma state won that three to two and then in reigning oklahoma state won that four to one so oklahoma state advanced into the semifinals now uh their next opponent was going to be the winner of georgia versus tcu this meet all start also started out uh with fences uh which Georgia won that 3 to 2 then they had horsemanship which Georgia uh won 3 to 2 as well so at the halftime Georgia ha- had a 6 to 4 lead and you're thinking okay Bulldogs are in control here well, uh, TCU had other ideas. They put the hammer down and they did not look back on the flat. TCU won that four to one, and then uh, and that's really impressive because Georgia has a good flat team. So TCU, that's where they broke them right there. And then they followed it up um, with raining, and they won that four to one as well. So kind of a disappointing first round exit for Georgia. They did a basically what Auburn did, and not not so great. And uh, uh, so basically, TCU advanced, and they were going to face. Uh, Oklahoma State in the semifinal the next day. On the other side of the bracket, we already talked about Auburn, and there's no need to dwell on that. So let's look at the other one, Uh, Texas A&M versus Baylor. Now, I thought this was going to be pretty close. It turned out not to be as close. Um, The weekend uh, was actually not one of my better examples of forecasting these. I mean, I got that Oklahoma State-Fresno State right, but other than that, I was wrong on a lot of these things. So Um, but you know, you can't do, it's not like I was making these numbers up. I was going off of previous statistics and sometimes teams deviate from the statistics and that's just what you get in sports. And that happened a lot this weekend. So anyway, um, fences, uh, the Aggies won that four to one. They also won horsemanship four to one. So right there, they had a huge lead eight to two at the half. In the second half, Baylor made a little bit of a comeback. Um, they won equitation on the flat, three to two. And then, of course, that meant that A&M uh, really just, they had reached 10 points. So they only needed one more point or tie to give them the whole meat, and then the very first reigning ride ended up in a tie, so that right there, the Aggies had won. Um, but it didn't end right there, because again, like I said, we had all these uh, rides going under review, and everything got really slowed down. One Baylor girl, the darn stirrup, came off the horse when she was riding, so they had to stop and go out and pick up the stirrup and look at it, talk to everybody about have you ever seen a stirrup come off? And then be like, well yeah, well what do we do when that comes off? Oh, I don't know, let's go check the rule book. Hey, these people don't have anywhere else to go so they go and they do that and then they finally say hey guess what the rules say she gets to re-ride um on the same horse we just gonna fix that stirrup and so she did that and then of course the the raining is happening at the same time for both quarterfinals and so auburn is having to sit here just slowly dying you know in their raining event and every raining thing you're like oh please let's just get this over one way or the other but no it stretched out for over two hours and uh but anyway we're not talking about auburn so this one also stretched out and the AM people probably wanted to leave too because they had already won the darn thing and they had things to do and pictures to take and whatnot. So anyway, everybody had to wait around for another 45 minutes just for them to finish and then they were done. Uh, but then Auburn and all that happened as well. So uh reigning had finished up. The Aggies took it 3-1, to which made the final score 13-6. to With all those results, that sent us into day two. Now, in day two, this is where the single discipline teams get in on the action, all right? because of course you had eight teams competing that first day and that gets whittled down to just four. All right. Well, and that's dual discipline. Well, you've got four teams that are single discipline teams. So you bring them in on day two. So in the morning you have the single discipline teams competing in their semifinals. All right. But they don't have as much to do because they only do um, the, the flat and the uh, fences. So they do that in the morning and give that the morning all to them. So first semifinal was Sweetbriar going up against Senior Newpaltz. This one was actually very close. Uh, Newpaltz won fences 3-1, to one and uh, you're like, oh, wow, um, you know, Sweetbriar's getting pushed here. Uh, and then Sweetbriar won the flat 3-1, to one, so they ended up tying. So then they go back and they combine all the raw scores from the judges, and Sweetbriar barely wins that on the cumulative points, and they advance. In the other semifinal, you had Lynchburg going up against Swanee. Now Lynchburg jumped out to a, r- a great big lead. They won fences four to nothing, and then the two teams split the flat two to two, so that meant Lynchburg had won uh, six to two, and they advanced to the finals to face their nemesis, Sweetbriar, which brings us into the afternoon of day two, where uh, you go back over to the dual discipline teams, and we have our first semifinal there, TCU versus Oklahoma State. All right, so these two teams have been very close to one another when they faced each other uh, three times this season. Uh, they split, and then Oklahoma State won in the in the Big Twelve tournament. So here, they got another one here. We'll see if TCU can challenge them. Started out with fences. Oklahoma State won that three to two. Uh, they also won horsemanship three to two. So they got this same six to four lead that uh, TCU had been uh, down against Georgia the previous day. So maybe they're thinking, hey, all right, we're gonna we're gonna flip this and come back and win. They did not flip it and come back and win instead, Oklahoma State won the flat four to nothing, and then they won reigning three to two so the final score uh Oklahoma state won everything all of these events, so you know the final score was oklahoma state thirteen t c u six the cowgirls advanced to the finals now in the other semifinal we had texas a and m and s m u uh, Texas A&M they won the fences four to one and they won horsemanship three to two so they had a big lead at, at halftime a six to three lead uh, then things got even worse uh, for the for the Mustangs in the second half A&M uh, won the flat three to two and then they won reigning four to one so the final score was Texas A&M fourteen SMU five so the Aggies advanced to face Oklahoma State in the finals and that's how basically day two went so now here we are. Day three, championship Saturday, here we go. Now, in the morning, again, we did those di- uh, single-discipline rides, uh, the, the championship between Sweetbriar and Lynchburg. Now, these two teams have ridden against each other a couple of times every year since they both joined the NCA a couple of years back, and Sweetbriar has won every single time. So, they were the odds-on favorite to win again this Saturday. Well, right from the beginning, you could tell, well, maybe things ain't going to go that way. Lynchburg won fences three to one. Now, if you recall, you know, sweeper didn't do great in fences the day before, so, but they came back and won. So they tried to do that again. Didn't quite work out for them. Both teams got two points in the flat, making the final score Lynchburg 5, Sweet Briar 3. So, Lynchburg pulled off the upset, beat Sweet Briar for the first time ever, and in doing so, won the national championship. So, let me tell you, those girls, their parents, they just went nuts. There was crying, uh, there was wailing, happiness, uh, they dunked that poor coach of theirs, uh, he's like a 20-something year old kid, and they dunked him with the water, he didn't care, he was crying too. Just great job to Lynchburg. Heck of a performance. And what a time to finally get that, you know, load off your back to beat Sweetbriar. Hats off to the Vixens, too, though. I mean, because, you know, there's a reason that it's such a big accomplishment, you know, for Lynchburg to beat them, or Lynchburg to beat them, is because, you know, Sweetbriar is pretty dang good. So, didn't go their way today. Good job for Lynchburg. But I'm sure, you know, Sweetbriar will be the favorite next year anyway. So, you know, they'll be back. Um, then on we go to the afternoon, we have the dual discipline championship. All right. So we got Texas A&M and Oklahoma State. Well, this one was super close. Oklahoma State started out winning 3-2. to two. Then A&M uh, won, oh, that was the flat. Then a won reigning 3-2. to two, So everything was knotted up 5-5 five to five at the half. On we go to the second half. Oklahoma State won horsemanship 3-2. to two, And then fences came down to the very final ride, where if the final ride, that final point had gone to Texas A&M, they would have won 3-2. to two, And it would have been a tie, and they would have had a tiebreaker. And a would have won the tiebreaker, because they had a lot of the raw score points instead the ride point went to Oklahoma state so they ended up winning that event 3 to 2 and the meet overall was 11 to 9 very close meet but Uh, Oklahoma State won the national championship and um, very close. This was the third national championship tournament in a row where the final ride of the tournament has decided who the national championship would go to. So, and that's really what you want. You don't want it just somebody blowing out the opponent. You want a good dramatic finish to the season and we begin that a lot uh, lately. So good job all of us. Um, But hats off to Oklahoma State. They're the number one team for most of the season and they got it done when it counted. Texas A&M was the number two se- team for most of the season. And you can see that they challenged Oklahoma State, but they didn't quite get it. Um, and it was just a fitting ending for the season. This was the first time that a team that isn't a current member of the SEC has won the national championship. Uh, Texas A&M won a couple uh, back before they were in the SEC, but now the SEC claims those. So this is the first time that you know a non-SEC team has won it that is probably not going to get claimed by the SEC for a long time at least. So good job, Oklahoma State. Um, You know, they've been kind of close in some years, but this was their breakthrough year. They finally did it. Uh, So after that, that they had the trophy presentation, all the jumping around, the videos, the crying, all that stuff. I'm sure they went out and partied that night and celebrated. But, you know, Easter was the next day, so some people were leaving, and I went ahead and left after that and got on back home. Um, And, uh, yeah, but it was a great time. I'm glad I went, even if, you know, Auburn didn't do as well as we all expected. It was a fun tournament, it was an awesome place to go visit, and I'm already looking forward to next year because it is just a really fun, uh, exciting atmosphere to be a part of so now that the season is over we can look back and we can say hey you know what things didn't go exactly like we expected but it was still a really exciting season we had several teams rise up and become the hottest team from time to time you know Oklahoma State was number one for a while and then it would be Texas A&M or Auburn and then somebody would lose and it would all change again uh, we had TCU that they only won like one or two meets in the fall and then they completely turned it around and went undefeated in the spring and you know really amazing turnaround." For the Horned Frogs. Uh, You had some of the smaller schools like South Dakota State. They had a pretty good year. Delaware State did pretty good. We had several new uh, single discipline teams like uh, Sacred Heart, Dartmouth, Swanee. Uh, Swanee made it into the national championship tournament in their very first year. Good job, Tigers. And all in all, it was just a really good season. So I appreciate everybody who's been listening to the podcast or reading the articles or following on Twitter or Instagram. It's all been really fun. Uh, you know, I experimented with some new stuff like the Memo Peas, uh, some of the video segments that I did from the National Championship, and it seemed to work out pretty good and got to meet a lot of writers and family members, so it was really fun. Um, oh, yes, and I got to do my first official endorsement. There was a vendor there at the National Championship called Leather with Love, and it's this business owned by this guy named Sunshine. And he's a really cool guy, and he gave me a nice gift of a custom orange and blue leather belt. He specializes in equestrian leatherwear, so you should definitely check him out. It's leatherwithlove.com. And he said that my my belt is just like the one that Auburn head coach uh, Greg Williams got as well. So... That's cool. Um, I got to see friend of the podcast, Tom O'Mara, who you will remember I interviewed about two summers ago on one of my episodes. Tom is still the president of the U.S. Equestrian Federation, I believe. And we were able to chat about just the history of the World Equestrian Center. That's how I knew about all the stuff with the different rings and the different dirt and all that stuff. Um, I got to chat with several parents and players and some coaches and oh oh yeah okay this is a funny thing this part's actually educational for folks okay so listen up so I talked to several coaches and this one in particular I was talking with them and about twenty or thirty seconds into the conversation they took this step back about a foot away from me while I was talking and then they just stopped and you know we continued talking for a little bit but I could kind of tell they needed to go so I kind of wrapped it up and they left now. When I'm relaying this to my wife, I'm wondering, Well, did I say something? Why were they trying to get away from me? And she was like, Oh no, 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 no. I've seen them all do that. She's like, What it is is all these coaches, they can't be seen to have any kind of favoritism towards parents or anybody like that. So whenever they're talking to somebody, especially one on one, and you know, this internal clock hits about 15, 20, 30 second mark, the basically they'll just take a step over to the side or a step back that sort of signals, okay, they've gotta leave, you need to wrap it up. And um and yeah, it works. So basically that's the reason it was going and you know, they don't want to show favoritism all that and I understand it. So if you are a writer out there and you wanna, you know, you're listening and you wanna go on to be a coach someday, just you remember this is one of those social skills that you're going to need to develop so when you're talking to strangers especially if it's one-on-one you need to have that running clock in your head so that you know when it hits that whatever 20 second mark you just take that step back as if you were going to leave you don't actually leave you wait and then that signals to them hey you gotta wrap this up because i gotta leave and then they do and you do so there you go learn something new every day so all right well that is about it for this episode i am your host auburn elvis Uh, Thank you very much for
0: listening, and War Horses!